Hey on the call listeners, this is Jeremy Neff, and I'm here with my colleague Pam Leist. We'll get to the episode soon, but we want to share a quick announcement first. Jeremy and I are excited to share that we will once again be speaking at the LRP National Institute, this time in Savannah, Georgia, on May 5th through the 8th. Conference is really a fantastic opportunity for school education professionals like yourselves to come together and share insights and knowledge. Jeremy and I are honored to be speaking at the National Conference for the third year in a row. My session is Can You Keep a Secret? Navigating Confidentiality under IDEA 504 and FERPA. I'll be sharing practical tips for keeping your teams compliant with these laws. After leading a session for school attorneys on lessons learned from COVID, my topic for the National Institute is successfully mapping the exit from IDEA services. I'll discuss the different ways a student ends eligibility and how to ensure that's a successful transition. These sessions promise to be insightful and practical as always, and we always offer actionable takeaways you can implement in your schools. If you want to learn more about the National Institute, you can find a link in the show notes for the newest on-the-call episode or go to lrpinstitute.com. Pam and I hope to see you there in Savannah. Until then, enjoy this episode of On the Call. Ennis Britton, how can I help you? Hey, Jeremy. I got a really big problem. Okay. Um, We just got back from our holiday break, and apparently while we were out, I got an email from the Office of Civil Rights saying I need to send a bunch of records to them within 15 days of the date of the letter. Mm. Uh, The letter arrived about a week ago. Clearly, I can never take days off work. Do I really need to do this? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Welcome back to work. Um, OCR definitely does not recognize uh, any holidays that might be discriminatory. Uh, So, um, yes, we're going to have to send them something, but don't don't get too hung up on the 15 days. We'll get them something in that time and we'll figure out a plan that makes this more manageable, though, uh, overall. So tell me, can can you figure out what the complaint's about? Uh, It's about as clear as mud. The Mm -hmm. parents claim that we discriminated by not letting his kid go on the field trip. I need to check with the building, though, because I seem to recall there was an issue with the child not meeting the requirements to go on the trip. But that was literally months ago. Hey, look, OCR, um, despite the 15-day window they give you to return records, uh, it can take a while for them to process a complaint. So you may well have the right incident. Let's talk more about the next steps you can take. Welcome to On the Call, Ennis Britton's special education team podcast. I am Erin Westendorf-Fortman. And I am Jeremy Neff. And we are ready to dig into this call. If you've ever received an OCR letter, you may have made a call just like that one the client did uh, at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, It's pretty intimidating, right? You get this letter and it has this laundry list of concerns, a whole bunch of records it's demanding. And oh, by the way, you have 15 days from the date of this letter, which before they started sending them by email was often four days ago. Oh, and even now email, it might not even go to the right person because district staff has changed or maybe it is still hard mail and it was received at district office six days ago. But by the time it made it to your office, we now were supposed to respond five days ago. And we're in trouble. And so are we being sued by the feds? Is that what's happening right now, Jeremy? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not something where you pull down the old regulation binder because the regulation binder for 504 would be like a page long or something, right? Right. But we do have some law. We do have some law. And at least with regard to OCR, they also have 
their case manual, I think is what it's called. And they've revised it a couple of times, even in the last, I want to say, six, seven years. Just this past summer, the case processing manual had some significant updates. And so I think that's at least where I would, I like to focus some of that. I mean, I do know black letter law, the OCR, the Office for Civil Rights through the U.S. Department of Education is really broadly empowered to do investigations into complaints regarding anti-discrimination statutes. Specifically, at least I think for purposes of this podcast, more along the lines of Section 504 than even necessarily IDEA. I think they focus, they tend tend to focus more on your 504 anti-discrimination on the basis of disability issues than anything else. Um, But Section 504 does extend, remember, to students not just on 504 plans. So technically, Section 504 could cover Students with IEPs, like if we look in uh, any of those circles on slides that we've created over the years, I know it's a podcast, it's not a video podcast, but, you know, IDEA students are also protected by Section 504. It just tends to be there's certain case law out there that says they have different exhaustion procedures that they need to pursue for their complaints. I, I think we should challenge your expressive language skills, and you can describe the slide with the circles and the... Yeah, my, no. my, no, no, uh-uh. right. no, the, the circles sitting in one another is the way that I would propose to look at that, meaning that the IDEA covered students would sit in the broader circle of the 504 covered students. Is that better? I like that. Yeah, uh, you thanks. know, trying to remain appropriate as best I can with all of that, because that's what I do. Well, and with these, Aaron, I feel like I see more 504 complaints to OCR when there's not an attorney involved. And I can think of a couple of good reasons for that. Um, One of which is there's no fee shifting when you file a complaint with OCR, right? So that parent attorney can't count on the school district paying their bills. That's one part. Correct. Uh, And and I think the other part is the, the parent then or the lay advocate working with the parent is unleashing the full force of the federal government in the form of an OCR investigation. So instead of having to take the time to go through all the re- request all the records, read all the records, put together a timeline, whatever else it may be, look for the applicable law, somebody else is doing that up in Cleveland. Correct. Well, but I also think the OCR process is not a short process. They are not incredibly long. It's 180 days-ish maybe to fully resolve Theoretically. Theoretically. But I know that some cases do go beyond that, but I do know there is a push and a goal to get that Mm -hmm. done from these federal offices. That's not as quick of a turnaround, I think, as some, you know, maybe parent advocates, parent attorneys would want to have. And I think if you're not going to get paid for doing this complaint, why are we going to go through that process when you could just as easily try to go to federal court to sue instead? Sure. So I think that those are options, but I do think – Looking at OCR complaints as sort of a, oh, serious, we need to sit down and and look at the complaint, talk to your legal counsel about what this is, pulling staff meetings together for people who have been involved in those sorts of complaints. It's your own sort of pulling together of documentation. I think once you have attorneys, you could probably ask for an extension for that 15 days, right? I mean, once we've done those letters, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to need about two more weeks because inevitably they come at the inopportune time right before the end of the school year, right at the start of the school year, right when Christmas or Thanksgiving are going Any to happen. Anytime lately, I feel like, <laughs> during our understaffed years. I meant, I meant for holidays, end of school year, <laughs> or summer. Like, they come in the middle of summer, staff's not there. Right. Ah, so... 
I think asking OCR has has been, I mean, nice to provide extension requests when mm-hmm. at least when I've asked. Yep. I don't think I've ever had them decline. We, we go to national conferences and we'll hear these mm-hmm. horror stories about other OCR offices. So if if our Cleveland folks are listening, thank you for you know allowing us to just focus on educating kids while being compliant. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you brought up something that is important to maybe highlight the limits of what we're going to talk about on this podcast episode. We're just talking about when there's a formal complaint to OCR. There is the option under 504. There, you don't need to start there. There's not some sort of exhaustion requirement like under IDEA. So in theory, you could run to court. It doesn't happen often, but it's a possibility. Also, there are other procedural safeguards like internal complaint processes and theoretically a due process, which would be handled in internally as well. We're not going to address any of that. We're really focused on when a complaint has been sent to the uh, OCR office for that region. For us, it's up in Cleveland. Um, But I I want to bring in maybe a couple of cases because when we get a call and we're trying to sort out what's next, part of what we do is look at the black letter law. And frankly, for 504, there's not much there. Uh, Instead, then, we can look to some of the cases where OCR or if somebody went to court, a court has tried to resolve what are the requirements that apply here. One of these cases out of Virginia, and it, it's, it's a bit dated, it's from five years ago, uh, but it, I highlight it because it's the exception that proves the rule. When we normally talk about OCR compliance and what they might order to be done, we're talking about procedure. We're not talking about substance, which is a really big and extraordinarily important distinction from idea. And so I, you're meaning, though, with that, that the OCR doesn't tend to dig into what does your 504 plan say? What are you doing to accommodate and modify for this student? They tend to say, do you have what you're supposed to have and the timelines you're supposed to have it? Yep. And have you documented it? Yep, okay. absolutely. So that's normally what we're dealing with. And this, is again, is an exception from that norm. And, and it's for a pretty important reason. So this was a case that involved a kindergarten student, really severe allergies and asthma. And the 504 plan, so there was a plan. This was acknowledged, the allergies and the asthma. But there actually wasn't anything that described what the plan was to keep the kids safe from these allergens, uh, which sounds uh no pun intended, nuts. That, <laughs> huh. You like that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so was there any, and I don't, I'm asking, is there any like individual health care plan that was on the side of this where they would have pointed to? Because when I read the case, I didn't seemingly find that. Yeah. I mean, we're limited to the facts that are reported, which are this, there may be things that aren't captured there. But this really just seemed like, uh, I, I all apologies to the folks in Stafford County, Virginia. A miss. A, re- a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was such a miss, in fact, that OCR described it as, as constituting the, you can't see my air quotes here, extraordinary circumstances that justified OCR going in and not just saying, hey, we want you to reconvene the team within 60 days and discuss this and then report a plan to us and implement it by you know March. They said, no, you need to immediately take these specific steps. Um, and those, those steps in, involved uh, going in prescribing some some substantive provisions about ensuring the safety of that student that needed to go into the 504 plan and implementing some staff training and some other things to make sure this didn't happen again in the future. Again, all because OCR looked at this and said, this is not a run-of-the-mill complaint. This Mm -hmm. is life-threatening. This is extraordinary circumstances that need to be addressed. And so it could have been, again, not knowing the full facts behind it, could have also been those situations where parents are like, oh, no, no, these things are actually out there, too. And we go, oh, we'll document it in the notes and onward and upward we go and we move on with our life because maybe we didn't need to do anything at school. 
However, you probably did, right? We we document it because, you know, in the plan, uh, the diagnoses, because we're trying to make a parent happy, yet we don't have maybe any medical records that support it. You don't need it for a 504, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in those typical fashions, we just throw it in and then don't think twice about it. Could have been part of the reason. I don't know. Yeah, it's real. It's really hard to guess. And the fact that it's a kindergartner too. Um, elementary folks are are so good and supportive and loving that I could imagine there could have been some. Oh, we you know we've got. Of course, we'll take care of your child. Well, that's all well and good. Um, but you know, much like putting a nut-free classroom in a middle school building is a lie because there's a lot of nuts that are there, right? Um, you're also dealing with uh, you, you can't see Aaron. You know, we have to describe what you can't see out there. <laughs> <laughs> she does not approve of that. Nope. But, uh, um, but also, I mean, it could have very well been a, a, a nut-free building. I mean, we have these now. It could have been a nut-free classroom. We already do this. We'll just assign her, and onward and upward we go. Well, and and I, the point I was making before talking about how yes. there's a lot of crazy people <laughs> at the secondary level, is it, saying as a former secondary teacher, um, that we need to have a plan that passes the stranger test, and and if we're not even addressing those basic fundamentals of keeping this child safe, that's a problem. No, absolutely, and I think that this is you know the exception to the rule, which sort of proves the rule for all of it. I mean, I've seen in OCR, at least in the cases that I've been involved with, you know, you said earlier, hey, we got to document everything. Document it, document it. Well, that's all well and good. But 504, in most instances, and when we try to then prove our case back to OCR, right? We want to prove our case back to OCR. 504 is accommodations and modifications. Generally, that sits in general education. Teachers Mm -hmm. lap. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, how are they proving they're giving students extended time? How are they proving they allowed a kid to go out for small group testing instead of being tested in the regular classroom? Most of the time, we're not having those documents to support that. And I think that's one of those situations for teachers where I don't want to have them caught because, well, this is, A, just what we do for everyone. I hate that aspect, right? I do love that aspect, but I I don't like that as an excuse. As a lawyer, it's it's not good. No, if a kid needs it, a kid needs it, and we have to provide it, not just make it available. But I do think what I've seen be very successful with OCR is asking them to talk to staff in those moments. And so when you get your 15-day letter to make sure that we're at least having the conversation with staff, we would like to get an affidavit from you of what you've done for the student. So it's a signed, sworn copy of something uh, that then later they can even be interviewed by OCR to talk about, you know, well, what did you do for this student? You know, how did you give extended time? How do you know you did? Well, I make it available to all students, but because I know student X's 504 very well, I have always provided her with extended time. She didn't always take it, but I always made sure that she was given extended time for this assignment or that assignment and going on from there. Those things in response to OCR complaints, I have found have gone many, many miles in looking at how do we best resolve this complaint with OCR and at least offending as a school district? Yeah. Well, I think that initial response, and, you know, this is a practical tip. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth because there's another case to look at, too. Um, In that initial response, when you work with legal counsel, not only can we help you uh, or your legal counsel help you set the tone with doing Mm -hmm. exactly what Aaron described because they don't know anything. They don't know how wonderful your people are. And if I go to work for OCR, it's probably because I think there are problems out there to be solved. I'm not taking that job because I think everything's hunky-dory. 
So setting that tone, giving them the right questions to ask so that you, so you can highlight the quality of your staff and what you're doing. That's part of it. But also we can help maybe narrow down the scope of the records request or at least, as Aaron referenced earlier, get a realistic timeline for that and then push towards the right interviews, the right process, and use, use the case processing manual that OCR guides itself with uh, to ensure a realistic, practical, uh, and effective investigation process. Let's step back. There's, there's another case I want to take a look at. This is out of South Dakota, the Sisseton School District. This involved one of those middle schoolers I was talking about earlier, bipolar, ADHD, anxiety, so things are rough. Um, and the allegations, this child was up for an IEP evaluation as some of these allegations uh, took place, the alleged violations, included things like failing to uh, conduct a timely and complete evaluation of the child, failing to provide the parent with safe, the procedural safeguards, failing to implement the IEP for the child, because as Aaron described so vividly earlier, <laughs> those IEP kids fit in the circle of 504 as well. So there were a lot of allegations, and that's one reason I wanted to highlight this case is because that's often what 504 complaints look like. It's rarely going to be this narrow, laser-focused complaint. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other thing uh, that I wanted to highlight and we want to talk about is the discipline element of this. So this was a child who, it, reading between the lines, the only reason this complaint came up is because the child was disciplined for two incidents, the rubber band incident. I don't know what that is. I, yeah. I, I, well, it was, do you think you know, it was like a band name? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that, in fact. <laughs> Um, Where there was like shooting rubber bands. I mean, yes, yes, there were shooting rubber bands across the the classroom, and then the cell phone incident. Mm. The 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 bottom line with those, the details of them matter less than contemporaneous documentation by the teacher when that discipline happened. Described only seeing this child engaging in the misconduct, and also the school was able to produce policies and procedures that showed they always handled discipline in this child's this child was in a unit in this unit a specific way there was a process they followed and they did that and that allowed uh, the district to get away from any kind of claim that this child was treated differently than others there was no discussion in this decision at all about manifestation which That's I found surprising. interesting yeah yeah so maybe it a, wasn't a complaint I mean I have found um, and hopefully this statement doesn't serve to bite me on the other side of this, OCR tends to stay confined to the complaints that are brought to them. I have not found. Now, granted, yes, they can open up sort of a systemic thing mm-hmm, within a district. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably has a fancier term than that. I just can't think of off the top Sue of my head. I don't know. Oh, you're going Latin, Latin? now? No, oh, no, absolutely not. Uh-uh. So, also a band name. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently, uh, show tunes. What are we going to do that one? Yeah. You do show tune references all day long. Um, but no, you're not. OCR does not tend to dig into other aspects. And so maybe this parent, right, didn't bring in and they didn't do any manifestation determination in this situation as they should have. Because for 504, you do have to do those as well, just as a quick reminder. But it might not have been something that they brought up so they didn't look at it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. my guess is that's plausibly the argument to be for why that happened. Well, and it could be that the school Googled the situation and found out they didn't need to because that there was a doctor's note in this case that OCR referenced. The doctor's note on a prescription pad said, um, child needs extended time uh, like in an IEP, which I'm like, no, that sounds like an accommodate. That sounds uh-huh. like a 504. And then it also said, Google the symptoms of bipolar, which I just <laughs> loved. 
<laughs> I love this. I have no one in my family who is a medical professional, but I have a lot of friends who are, and I like to dog on them for some of the notes that happen. And then they dog on me for being an attorney for all the attorney jokes, right? Being cold-hearted and, you know, this, that, and the other. But some of the doctor's notes we get, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I could never imagine. Like, Google it. Here's my doctor's <laughs> script. Google it. And then they got to, you know, get paid by their insurance company, health insurance company, for that yeah. script. That's yeah. awesome. So that's a practical tip that a doctor yeah. has to short short circuit those <laughs> prescription notes is, is just to tell people to Google it. Some practical tips for you uh, when you get one of these 504 complaints, like the caller at the beginning of this episode, uh, procedural compliance is king. And you've heard us saying that throughout this episode. We want to make sure we can not just show say that we were procedurally compliant, but document it. If we get that more than nine times out of 10, that's it end of the story. There'll be some sort of finding, right? I mean, inevitably, there'll be some sort of finding, but the the compliance will be, you know, post a memo that says we need to do such and such. No big deal. No. It's not going to be an award to remeet. It's not going to be a award of comp ed or something like that. Only in very extraordinary circumstances is OCR going to go in and do something more than order procedural compliance like that nutcase. And it tends to be that I, at least I found, you know, as a school district, as a legal counsel, where the holes are in your case. You know where they're going to come out and find something. So the sooner you can get on the front end of it, hey, we admit this, this has happened, we've gone through training, here's what we propose. OCR tends to be a pretty good believer in that. Um, and again, not to be self-serving on some of these, but I do think it's really important as school districts to contact your legal counsels when these things happen. They are they are important. They are a big deal to respond to in an appropriate fashion. And knowing from your legal counsel what ways to respond to get your story as a district across to make sure you're providing OCR with the information they don't know, right? They don't know what they don't know. And if you don't give them that information, they're not going to have it. So I think it's important to work with counsel to be able to paint that bigger picture for the situation. So, Jeremy, what is your last practical tip? Like your sort of end of the episode, which one do you think is, is yeah. sort of a good one to end on? Well, I, I think it's important to keep in mind how most of these wrap up. Most complaints resolve through a resolution agreement of some sort. And so if that's where yours goes, that's not capitulation. That's not giving up. That's just doing what the vast majority of these, where they end up going. And because of that, if you're offered mediation, I think under the current case processing manual, that's what we call it. It used to be called early conflict resolution. If you're offered that, that can be a smart move. But again, sounds self-serving. I would consult with legal counsel about your strategy for that. But resolving these is always going to be a likely and quite often good outcome to receiving one of these scary OCR complaint letters. That's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. A quick note, this podcast is intended to be used for general information only and is not legal advice. If you have a specific question, please consult an attorney. Be sure to check out other episodes at ennisbritton.com or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to suggest, a question about today's episode, or anything else you'd like to share, please email us at podcast at ennisbritton.com. Whether by phone or this podcast, we look forward to being on the call with you again soon. <laughs>